previously on American Genocide. Our investigators, Crystal Echohawk and Lachey Wesley, met with organizations and individuals who are working to repair the damage they believe Red Cloud School unleashed on their community. Who knows how many children we continue to lose because these churches still have that colonizer mindset that they know best and that they're doing us a favor by taking our children and saving them from us. Then, the investigators sat down with a family made up of three generations of boarding school survivors, which revealed a deep lesson on the power of culture and how traditional Native practices might be the best remedy for the cloud of white supremacy that still looms over reservations across the country. Trust is hard to earn and easy to lose. The quickest way to lose it is by breaking a promise. My partner, Crystal, can rattle off a host of reasons why Native peoples should be distrustful of the U.S. government. And I'm not referring to the hundreds of years of broken treaties. I mean today. For example, the government clearing way for toxic waste, you know, companies to come in and destroy our lands, destroy our water sources, tear up our burial grounds, you name it. Even going back into COVID, we were amongst some of the very last to receive any resources for basic necessities. It reminds me of a quote told to me in a quiet moment I shared with our young activist, Eleanor Ferguson. It says, they made us many promises more than I could remember, but they never kept but one. They promised to take our land and they took it, said by Chief Red Cloud. And they named this school after Chief Red Cloud and they took our land. Given all the recorded history, I'm compelled to ask, How can Native peoples trust the government when it comes to former boarding schools like Red Cloud and the way they're handling their own horrific past? This is a school who put themselves in charge of searching for bodies under their campus that they may have put there over many decades. Seems the only oversight are concerned folks with microphones like Crystal and I. Remember, we were compelled to come to Pine Ridge and investigate the handling of the ground-penetrating radar survey immediately after reading a report put out by, ironically, the U.S. government. But this didn't sound like the government we were used to. United States Secretary of the Interior, Deb Holland. Even the history of Native communities, all of it, was targeted for destruction. Nowhere is that clearer than in the legacy of federal Indian boarding schools. Secretary Holland has the trust of people in Indian country. She has spent her life dedicated to Native issues. I've actually known Secretary Holland before she was ever even a politician. She used to be the tribal administrator when I knew her at San Felipe Pueblo when she catapulted and was elected in 2018 as one of the first two Native American women elected to Congress. It was extraordinary, but it's been wonderful to kind of get to know her over the last four plus years. You have this incredible Native staff over at the Department of Interior, Bureau of Indian Affairs, and all of these people have their own personal connections. It's hard to find somebody in Indian country that doesn't have a personal story and connection and impact from the boarding school investigation. Interior Secretary Holland was gracious enough to grant us an interview where we heard it for ourselves in her own words. And I just want to say, Madam Secretary, reading the report that was released was deeply disturbing and very emotional. And I think for so many people that I spoke with, you know, I think many of us thought we knew the stories of the boarding schools. Well, I wish I could say that I was surprised, Crystal. Both my grandparents uh, were taken away to boarding schools from their communities in New Mexico. 
And so I've known about this issue for a very long time. And when I was a member of Congress, I um, introduced a bill to move this issue forward. And I, of course, had never, ever forgotten about it. So by the time we got here, we sat down and we talked about priorities that we would have for Indian country. And this was a priority that uh, many of us felt was extremely important. It's an issue that a lot of Americans don't even know about, but it's our history. It's not only Native history, but it's American history. Once trust is broken, the only way to reestablish it is through truth, no matter how hard that truth is. Usually what follows truth is consequences. I guess we'll see. This is American Genocide. The work to identify graves with the ground-penetrating radar is happening soon and will continue to fuel a heavy conversation, no matter the results. Given the American government and the Catholic Church's history, we're asking, why should Native peoples even trust the results of the school survey? It's clear people here are not buying it. Former boarding school student and Nelson family patriarch, Daniel Nelson. It's PR so they can get more money. That's their healing. That's not our healing. You go downtown and you go to some of these neighborhoods and you see the destruction they've caused. They caused that. We have drugs, we have meth, we have gangs, we have violence. We have hopelessness. That's what they cause. How are they gonna heal that? By apologizing or saying they're sorry. That's not gonna work. We can heal ourselves. They can't heal us. People are understandably critical of the way Red Cloud is leading this investigation. What's the true nature of the search? Are they trying to check a box? Are they trying to solve that larger, looming question? Or is this a potential crime scene? The leaders of the Youth Council, Philip Ironshell and Eleanor Ferguson, see it this way. Red Cloud shouldn't even be getting the results. You know, the, the um, tribal council, our organization, the police department should be getting these results, not Red Club, because that's a conflict of interest. What are they going to do with these results if they're the only ones that are getting it? Yeah, um, it's really suspicious. Yeah. It's a difficult conversation many Native communities are now navigating. Meanwhile, Tashina and Macaw say they have a process in place. I don't want anybody to ever say, like, Red Cloud did X without anyone present. Remember, it's Red Cloud's Truth and Healing Commission that's staging the ground-penetrating radar event. Marcia Small and her team are going to be giving us reports, right? And as soon as we get the reports, we're going to share them with the Community Advisory Committee, um, the FBI. We want to make sure that law enforcement's involved. This is what Marcia is stepping into. Lachey, what was it like to sit with Marcia Small? Um, what was she like as a person? Marsha rolled up in a minivan with a couple of the engineers. All of them are about in their 50s. I could see her ribbon skirt blowing in the wind, her hair blowing in the wind. Inside the minivan, there was the GPR equipment, which really does look like a lawnmower. My first impression of Marsha is she seems to be working for a higher authority. Go ahead and just introduce yourself, if you don't mind. Do you who I am? Yeah. It's is that a big eagle up there or what? It is huge. Must be the grandfather of all buzzards in it. <laughs> what a sign for us, isn't it? She's very perceptive. I know our ancestors put me here to do this work. Marsha has a vision. I want to create a team of people that are working actively with GPR, geophysical instruments and you know, machines 
to do in, in Indian Boarding School Cemetery, indigenous people that have their own instruments. Because there's going to be a lot of kids. There are a lot of cemeteries already. They're going to find a lot more. Okay, Pavayashiv, na adat vinava, na hashiv, na chetista isetta. I am called Blue Chippy Woman, but my American name is Marcia Small. My foci are uh, anthropology, Native American studies, earth sciences, and uh, I ran community health development through it. I do work in the Indian boarding school cemeteries. I'm looking for the stolen and kidnapped children. In the Indian boarding school cemeteries, I use physical um, machinery instruments, um, specifically ground penetrating radar and magnetometry. What brings you to Red Cloud? GPR, ground penetrating radar. I'm looking for the stolen kidnapped children. Marcia tells me her grandfathers went through the boarding school system out at the Genoa School in Nebraska, and that her dream is to go back there and conduct a search with her own instruments. In the meantime, she has been traveling to other schools and becoming a reluctant expert in a very niche, very sensitive career. How many former boarding schools have you been around to do this work at? Couple on reservation, couple off reservation. That's as close as I'm telling you. I can't let that out. Some of them are, I'm held by, I'm held by contract, not to say much. I'm there to help them find their children, give them the numbers, give them the data, you know, much as I can, and then they can pick it up and they can go, do we want to let this go or do we want to keep this? And, you know, one one place has already said, yeah, we want to keep the data, you know, that's ours. We'll work with it within, within our own sovereignty. I'm just tempted to with the lawnmower. <laughs> just here to help you find your children, your family. Every community, as they're on this journey, is going to have to make some decisions about how they want to take care of their children that Marsha helps them to find. And is part of that going to be making it public, trying to hold the government or these, you know, religious institutions accountable, or is it going to be something more private? And I think that was that was really interesting to hear that some some communities, I think she said in that one, in that one has decided not to go public with it. Um, and I think, you know, it just it just shows. There's not one size fits all about how people are going to really reconcile what's happened to these children. The only thing the school and the youth council can agree on is Marsha Small herself. The council made a point to get to know her. Here's Eleanor. Marsha Small is doing a good job. Yep, just her. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> her team and Marsha Smalls, they're pretty awesome. I got to speak with them, and they're genuinely good people, and you could feel it that they're here for the people, and they're not here for a profit. What about that conversation made you feel that way? Whenever she talked about the importance of, um, I think, our spirituality, I asked her if on Saturday, like, because I told her I know about, you know, they were going to search the basement. The basement, also known as the testimonial site, is a second location where the school will also be conducting a survey. The first location is on the front lawn where the whole community and the media are invited. But the second location will be much more contained. Here's Macaw Black Elk with Red Cloud School. What do you know about that testimonial site? And that's something we took very seriously and that's why it's being scanned. Um, and so it's really important that um, that does get scanned and whatever we can learn from that, that there's efforts after that to figure out you know, what that was, if anything. It might be nothing. For a lot of people, that site is definitely something. Marshall Small said that she like 
connects with her ancestors when she does this type of work and they work through her, they channel through her and they like, you know, they, she talked about how it was like a really big piece. The ancestors were a really big piece in the work she does. So she went into the basement. They're going to be searching on Saturday. And she said that when she went in there, um, she went into this back room. She was fine, like going down the hallway, but she went into this back room and she got goosebumps in it. She said she couldn't be in there that long because the energy was really negative. And so, yeah, she told us about that. And so she said there's definitely something in there. Uh, so Saturday we'll find out. That right there, it, it made me understand that, you know, she understands the spiritual aspect of this. And so I was telling her like, hey, can we bring like a spiritual advisor to be on standby just in case a body is found? And then she got into the topic of, um, you know, you know, whenever she went into that basement and, you know, so I trust her now. In the end, it looks like both sides trust Marsha. But does Marsha trust them? One calls me auntie. Um, I get along, I think, very with the Native staff. I tell you to get along with non-Natives too because they, they need to understand their trauma too. They need to own that in order to understand why they're so fearful about accepting their here. Marsha's plan to create an all-Native search team seems to be taking shape. The first recruit is a member of the Youth Council, who we've already met. My name Surrounded Bear. I'm a 19-year-old Kituma Oglala Lakota. I grew up on the Pine Ridge Reservation my whole life, the Great Lakota Nation. And I'm also a youth organizer within the Youth Council. And I like their goal on creating spaces to unite the youth and try to empower the youth to kind of bring back our way of life too. But I'm sorry, I'm kind of nervous right now. No, you're Don't doing be. good. Doing great. Doing good. It's clear they have each other's backs, and that goes double for Surrounded Bear's grandfather, Alex Whiteplume. I knew this had to be done, and but I was dreading it, dreading it. Just we have to protect him because we're digging out spirits of people who never had the ceremony to release their spirit, to go back to the spirit world. So where we live today on this ground, it's uh, spooky. You could sense their spirits. They're begging us. Like the rest of the youth council and their advisors, Surrounded Bear found his purpose very early on. He grew up hearing the horror stories about the boarding schools and learn the power the youth hold if they stand together. I was not standing around it for, I was a part of my grandmother's camp, which was Red Warrior Camp. Oh yeah, Red Warrior Camp is great. That was the camp where whenever the big camp needed warriors, they'd call on Red Warrior. So I kind of, it was, I seen just the system of moonity and organizing. And it was, I was really fortunate to experience that. Historical event. That was, that, was that was the first time in history all the nations from Turtle Island got together for one purpose to protect water for the future generations. Do you all consider that a defining moment? Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Lachey, I mean, we're, we're here. We're really, you know, pretty much at the big day of the community, you know, GPR. Uh, demonstration where, you know, Red Cloud Indian School is going to be inviting the entire community in to watch how this technology 
works and what it could mean. How do you think this is going to get organized tomorrow with the community and also media going to be there too? I'm wondering the same thing. Part of me was wondering, okay, how do you kind of present that as like a Catholic institution, but also have many Lakotas there? So I think we're all sort of wondering how that spiritual aspect is going to play out for the GPR event and what it's going to look like. I remember talking to Alex and just there was this like deep emotion that he was feeling like we've never had to deal with this before. This isn't within our spiritual and cultural practice to be able to figure out how we how we take care of these kidnapped and stolen little ones and their spirits. And, you know, there was some just real discussion about how do they sort of rally potentially, you know, different medicine people, different, you know, spiritual leaders on the reservation if as this comes to pass or however this starts to really evolve of, of like that is going to be a whole nother level of care that has got to be figured out. That's what people really care about is not just finding them, but it's taking care of their spirits. It's going to be really interesting to see how this all comes together. The prayer that they landed on is called Wipe Away the Tears. The prayer itself would be performed by Basil Braveheart, a highly respected elder and survivor of Red Cloud Boarding School, back when it was called Holy Rosary. Basil straddles many worlds, and he's devoutly Catholic and Lakota at the same time. Sometimes it feels like I'm a cultural schizophrenic, which <laughs> live in two worlds like that, and it's amazing. What I want to share here is it is a prayer it re- is really in this, in this, in this most basic definition is communication with God, communication with higher power. I'm using the word communication. I see it as being a profoundly spiritual, intimate relationship with the essence of the sacred. It's clear why Red Cloud School selected Basil for the task. He embodies the school's vision of Catholicism and Lakota, blending seamlessly. No easy feat, just ask Tashina. I don't know if that's, can they be respectful of each other and like coexist? Yeah, because we have been. Um, Is there a way to blend them? You know, I just don't know, you know? Yeah, it's tricky. Here's how Basil explains it. We need to remember that we came from the stars. And I know, I know there's a lot of controversy between evolution and creation. It's one and the same. Quantum physics enables, enables me to put all these things together, the divinity of Christ and the humanness of Christ, the dark and the light, the male and the female, are all in principle one and the same. Crystal, how does Red Cloud School go about this? I think it's got to somehow create a level of trust. There, there has to be something about where, despite everything, and I think you know, for the community to feel like that they're that they're part of this. But I, th- I mean, it's if it's not going to be successful if somebody walks in feeling like you know that this was some element of this investigation or some you know major part of this wasn't being run, you know, completely above board. I would think if there was some kind of effort to do kind of a big cover-up, I feel like Marsha Small would, would speak up and 
be some kind of whistleblower in that in that situation. We headed back to Thunder Valley to learn more about the wipe away the tears prayer. My Lakota name, which is Trashunkenaji, meaning his horse is standing or standing horse. Of course, my English name, the one the Popo, the bill collector, the IRS, the judge, all those guys know Warren Gus Yellow here. And I'm uh, 63. I'm a grandpa, father, uncle. Played many roles in my life. Also co-owner of uh, Tatanka Riz Tours with my youngest daughter. A tour guide business. I, from what I understand, we're the only licensed tour guide business east of the river. Gus Yellowhair is intimately familiar with the prayer. The, the prayer, um, so that's what we did up here at uh, yesterday in the Black Hills. And basically that's like if someone lost a loved one, uh, whatever, you know, disease or, you know, accident or you know, things like that, then um, there's a certain time that, that person can mourn, right, um, to acknowledge that that person, that loved one, is no longer there. Back in the day, they would um, actually um, take coal, the ashes, they would paint themselves with that the ashes, and then they would cut their hair, and then they would gash themselves, you know, knife or whatever, uh, to show that they were grieving. And then they would give away, you know, some families gave away their entire belongings, their teepee, their clothing, and you know, they were, that's the mourning that they did. And so after a time, you know, of course, um, people would, in the camp, because, uh, because of that respect and love for that person, then they would help them rebuild their life, you know, giving them gifts, clothing, teepees, you know, whatever they need to continue their life, because they gave everything away, right? They were, they were grieving at a loss. And so they would take this time to acknowledge that that person was grieving, have them do the inipi, the purification ceremony, feed them traditional foods, give them water, and then uh, talk to them that way. And then symbolically, they would take either uh, like a cloth or back in the day would have been leather or even just sage, and they would symbolically wipe, you know, wipe their tears away. And, uh, and then, you know, at the same time, they would have elders come in and talk to them and tell them that they have to, that they have to move on. They're they're a, val a valuable community member. You know, the things that they have to share, you know, that there, there are other, uh, you know, people that could use their knowledge, their compassion, their love. And so in, in releasing that spirit of those persons, they're able to continue their journey. In Lakota, there's no um, goodbye. Doksha ake, doksha ake, you know, I'll see you later. It might not be in this world, right? When my time is done here on this earth, I'm going to make my journey too, to the spirit world. They call it. People call it the Milky Way, but it's a spirit trail. What if the children didn't have that chance to have those ceremonies? What if they didn't have the right protocols to move on to be on the Milky Way? So maybe they're still there in that transitory period trying to wait, you know? It was just beautiful to, to hear Gus talk about this ceremony. I, you know, I... Um... I've been a part of this ceremony. You know, they did it for my oldest daughter that was killed four years ago. Um, my, my oldest, she was my stepdaughter, but they, you know, they did this ceremony for our family and for, you know, all her siblings. And it is that really powerful, you know, time, you know, at that point, I think it's one year after, you know, when they did this, but that belief, you know, about these, you know, these spirits and, you know, and, and 
how very present they are and we have to take care of them and, and to be able to let them go but about you know about grief um you know and it's just it's it's so beautiful you know and i we have a similar ceremony in our pawnee ways too but we we do it on the day we bury that person to to let them go but also to really you know to help people move on in that grief as well and i think that these are just really powerful important ceremonies and i think when you hear gus you know talking about you know the ceremony or just even the way you know the just the lakota you know beliefs that are you know shared by so many you know people too that doksha okay i'll see you again i'll see you later just it just really just shows you the connection and that cycle between life and and death and in that that spiritual journey and you know i think that just again speaks to so much the strength and the resilience of Lakota and native peoples because of the strength of our our spiritual and cultural life ways. I think it was really beautiful to hear Gus talk about the ceremony because it put he just painted the picture so beautifully of how important these types of ceremonies are and gave me a better understanding of of the goal. Crystal, how are you feeling? Do you feel like you can have trust in knowing that the results will be shared in a transparent way. Do you feel good about that? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think seeing everything that happened, I mean, one, trusting Marcia Small. I'm looking for the stolen kidnapped children. You know, not only is she truly, obviously, someone that's really dedicated and committed, but she's a scientist. I mean, this is, you know, she's legit. She's operating this technology. She's done it before. She brings in great care. A lot of detailed, you know, explanation to community. You know, I think it's evident that everyone's really passionate. Um, I think that it was, a, you know, in, in, a, in a good way, you know, seeing the school kind of put it out there. And Macaw and Tashina and everybody. You know, the narrative out there from some of our naysayers is that this is a crime scene and there's bodies everywhere with no evidence of that whatsoever. Zero. But I'm gonna be honest. At the end of the day, I don't. I don't trust the Catholic Church. <laughs> How can you? Right. When you see the history, not only with what it's done to Native peoples, but you look at everything with the pedophile, you know, scandals and all of the things. That's the element I don't trust. I have the same point of view. And the end of the day, it is the Catholic institution holding this information because as Native people, this is something that we're talking about a lot. There's always going to be people who are going to be distrustful of the information that comes out there. Um, I don't think that the school is going to be forthcoming with their information. As for trust, I think it's very mixed in the community. I'm always cynical, so I'm always going to want to see exactly how much information somebody is going to be sharing. On the next episode of American Genocide, this is it. The day of the ground-penetrating radar survey arrives for Red Cloud School, and it will be as eventful as promised. For the school's staff, including Marsha Small, Tashina Banks-Rama, and Macaw Black Elk, everything needs to come off perfectly. 
But the youth council are coming to protest. What are we waiting for? We want our children back. So we decided to do that ourselves. The elder survivors, Brian Brewer and Alex White Plume, are bringing years of frustrations. Please say genocide. That's what happened. And a surprise visit by the federal government will spark a much needed confrontation with the truth. I am not going to accept no cheap apology. <laughs> After this, Nothing will be the same on Pine Ridge. The producer of this podcast would like to thank and acknowledge the following. Evolutionaries, supported by CAA and Pop Culture Collaborative. San Manuel Band of Mission Indians. Serdna Foundation. Open Society Foundation. Novo Foundation. MacArthur Foundation. Christensen Fund. Pivotal Ventures and JPB Foundation.